Welcome to Rediscovering the Bible. We are humbled and honored to be here with you. The purpose of this show is to channel the authority of Scripture by presenting the Bible to modern people from its origins. The Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. We can and should act on what we receive from studying it. We're going to be continuing in Genesis 4. So last time we talked about the births and kind of an overview of the chapter. This week we're going to move on to some brotherly contention and sacrifice. Yeah, right. So this this time we'll continue like in the first. Uh, so we did an, an overview. So now we're going to get close into it, right? So we kind of did in like a like a bird's eye view of the whole chapter, especially in the, the, the beginning birth scene of Eve's declaration. And then uh, the end, another birth scene with a different kind of wording in her declaration for that one. Uh, and so now we close into uh, verses two to seven, right? Which talks about basically Cain and Abel, right? And, and, and we'll see their characters and we see what, uh, what, is, um, what is happening here. Right, so I, I think it's only fair if we if we, if we read those verses and then we'll see how they break down, right? So uh, in chapter four, verse two, it starts that and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground, right? So here we begin to see two different uh, um, two different jobs. So they're automatically are identified by their jobs, right? So that's that's like the first thing that we see here, right? Now you got to remember, um, as we go through this, this will continue from chapters one to three, but it develops so many themes for the rest of the Bible. Uh, and so, once we start paying attention to these little details in this, in, in, as the as the passage goes, then we will realize um, whenever we see something else in the future, where the villains come from and the heroes arises, right? And so, verse two tells us that they are. Uh, uh, one is a basically a farmer, and the other one is a shepherd, right? So in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock, of their fat and portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he did not regard. So Cain was very angry, and, and his face fell. Uh, so it's a weird English thing, but that's the ESV. The NASV says, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell, right? And the Lord said, Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And so this this part you know sin becomes like a beast right sin becomes a beast that uh that wants to destroy right and so that's that's the verses right there that's that's from from verse two to verse seven right so uh first we have this this job description of these two brothers right cain and abel it it, it tells us that um the cain is a farmer who works the ground and abel is the shepherd who works among the migrating flocks so these two vocations have important associations throughout the biblical narrative. What do you think about 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 that introduction? Yeah, that's it's good. It's good that we uh, recognize, you know, different people have different vocations. Later, we're going to see there's some consequences to their behavior, but it's not tied to their role. 
right? So the fact that Kane's offering was unacceptable had nothing to do with him being farmer, right? which is an important thing to recognize. Yeah, it, it, it has it has to do with um, it does have to do with their intent in their hearts, right? But at the same time, as the narrative progresses then you realize that for some weird reason, every person that it, it, it brings out these this people from this job that associates them with downfall or with not downfall, right? So, so farming in, in, in the cities, basically in that culture, became an, an, an organized agriculture for the Asian Near East. It was associated with the world's first empires, the Babylonians, the Egyptians where slave labor and infrastructure provided the groundwork for mass farming. And it's not an accident that Cain will become associated with this, with the first cities of the Bible, right? We'll read that in Genesis 4.17. And, and so the whole advent and te technology civilizations in Genesis 4.20.22 also has a associations with Cain. And so that's something that we should start, begin that we, we begin to see there, right? So the whole farming and cities becomes something that uh, that becomes uh, an issue of the heart because it's self it's self dependence it's self um, it becomes a prideful issue right most of those cities basically start dealing with injustice to the innocent right mm -hmm. and then we have the shepherds uh, the shepherding in in the desert so the shepherds who migrated with their grace with grazing their animals were nomads that live in the borders of society right. They tended to be viewed as lower class, uh, even though they could produce wealth. And 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 but they still view they still view like a lower class and and outside the the value of the system of the great cities and empires. I was reading uh, a poem uh, that was found in archaeology was found in the Egyptian uh, tombs and and it, it was this this scribe given um, he was giving advice to his son on what jobs to take and what jobs not to take. And, and in the poem, he says that the shepherd is the worst job of, of them all. Right? They were viewed, they were viewed as the worst, as, as unclean, right? So they were outside the the, the system of the empires. Um, so shepherds were viewed as a despicable, right? And, and you read that also in Genesis 43, 32, in Genesis 46, 34, right? And so here we begin to see this, right? This is the beginning of it that will develop into that later on. Uh, and so the, the Lord identifies himself um, as the shepherd, the underdog throughout the whole Bible. He identifies himself in, in that way, right? Uh, and consistently reveals himself to people in the desert, right? To the shepherds outside the imperial system and the organized powers of and prestige at that time. Uh, think about this. Abraham is a shepherd that is called out of the cities of Babylon. Isaac and Jacob and his many sons are all shepherds living uh, in, in, in the ages of uh of the set in from Canaan, right? Then we have Moses who met Yahweh in the desert. Then Yahweh creates the people of Israel by leading them out of Egypt, out of the city, and the farmers uh, build cities, uh, and, and and gives them a covenant in the desert, right? And then Israel's first true king, David, is a shepherd, right? While their illegitimate king Saul was a farmer, right? And and, and you can read about King about King David in First Samuel sixteen eleven. And about King Saul in in First Samuel uh, chapter eleven, uh, and so that the first king, true king, that was after God's own heart, was a shepherd. Yet the other one was a farmer, right? So, so Yahweh Himself is portrayed also as the good shepherd. We read that in Psalms twenty-three, 
and he dwells in the tents, right? Second Samuel 7, 6. Then we have the revelation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It, it In the Luke story, we see that the shepherds are the one to get this revelation and the good news, right? And so, so this beginning here will develop into that later on. Uh, and if we, if, we pay, if we pay attention, we understand that the shepherds, the outsiders, would society view as low right god usually that is the people god chose to work with to deal with right um because at the heart of the issue they tend to be more humble than than the kingdoms and the empires right so there's a constant uh a, a contrast there between these two jobs and and we begin to see it here right and so if we pay attention we'll see how this will develop in 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 the future we'll see um how the Lord deals with it in, 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 in the hearts of the people within the same thing. Now, it's not to say that today in our world, if you're a shepherd, if you're a farmer, right, your heart is somewhere else. That's, 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 that is not what um, what this means, but what he meant then and what it developed into the uh, biblical narratives. This is a blueprint that we're seeing here, right? And so this begins to tell us by identifying by identifying the job description, it begins to, to the story begins to develop and begins to tell us um, what is in the heart of these two brothers. Yeah, and it, there there's a corollary for us. I mean, you can think of people that have waited tables or done manual labor jobs. You know, it's even though there's not a direct correlation between job and character, there is always character development that happens as opposed to someone who's just given you know, yeah. a leg up or, or they're born into wealth or something like that. So there's there's that flavor to it. It's not that shepherds are better or farmers are better, that it's that there's a character development that happens. And we see it in the uh, description of their offerings, right? Yeah. Because there's a kind of a subtle difference in the way the offerings are described. Yeah. So see, we begin, yeah, we begin to see it exactly to how they bring stuff, right? It tells us, um, uh, a little bit of their attitude, uh, of the heart attitude, right? Um, so think about the the attention that we got to pay to to the na- to the nature of the offerings. Cain brings the fruit of the ground, right? That's 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 kind of what he tells us, right? In, in verse three, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, right? He brought in some veggies, right? Then Cain uh, is is like Adam, his father, right? A tiller of the ground which has been cursed. You got to remember that after the fall, that was kind of what uh, Adam's answer to his sin was, right? But, but before the fall, he was more of a shepherd. Before the fall, he was to tend to the garden. He was to uh, to take care of the animals. After the fall, he was now to work the land, right? So we so we begin to see um, Cain here as as a reflection of, of, of a tiller of the ground like his, like his dad, right? And he's suffering while legitimate, uh, it's an undif- undifferentiated vegetable in grain bundle, right? It's like here, here this is. It doesn't tell us any specific things about. So it doesn't tell us specifics or details that you would think about when you offering something, right? Think about when you are giving a gift, right? Um, if if you and I have a relationship, and I know that um, that you are a musician, um, I know that you have a passion for. For that, uh, I know that you have a passion for uh, uh, biblical translation, right, from the original language. I know that. So when I think about giving you a gift, right, I will make the effort and the sacrifice to go and find something that has to do with those things that probably a lot of people don't know, right? Um, 
and it will mean something to you then if I just go and say, ah, here's a, a gift card to Mickey D's. Go get yourself a quarter pounder, right? Uh, and so the, the intention of the heart, right? Um, so the detail that you put into it, right? And, and the Bible will give us those details. If you see uh, here, it doesn't just tells us, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And that's see What fruit, though? See, we don't even know what fruit. Uh, we don't even know what what did he um, so I have a lot of questions, right? Okay, what what kind of fruit was it? Fruit that just came out of the ground? Was it the best fruit? Was it a good fruit? Was it group fruit that was about to throw out? What kind of fruit was it? It was just he's just in the offering, he just brought, you know, this this fruit of the ground. And that's all it tells us, right? And so can the offering of Abel tell us something different? Mm -hmm. So we can compare um why the Lord favors one over the other, right? And so here's the, the, the offering of uh, that comes from, from Abel, right? So, and also, verse 4, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock. So this is giving more details, right? And their fat portions, the good stuff, the fatty, right? The, 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 I know that we look at fat like negative now. Um, uh, but what the Bible is telling us is that they brought the, the, the good. So there's an extra detail devoted to the description which highlights the layers of value, right? The first is the firstborn of the flock, their value, right? The first, uh, in the Levitical laws, this is going to become a big issue, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going in our church to the book of Malachi. Uh, and one of the uh, one of the things that the Lord was upset about uh, and brought it to their attention, it was the weak, uh, the weak offerings that they had, the sheep offerings that they had, right? They were not bringing the, the best, they were not bringing the first, the firstborn, to be sacrificed, they were bringing the lame and the weak, the things that were about to die. Mm -hmm. right? And so we'll see that. And so we see that here that that the firstborn is, is is symbolic to the to a great value. And then second, we have the fat portions, the tastiest and most nutrition portions, right? So the narrative directly contrasts uh, Cain's bundle of veggies uh, versus Abel's uh, selected and, and valuable animal offering. And then one reminder is of uh, the widow and the two mites or the two pennies, you know, and Jesus said she gave two pennies and she's given more than anyone else because the Lord wants an offering that is a true sacrifice. It meant something. And as you said, we don't really know anything about canes. It's like he just went into his pantry and grabbed a couple of cans, you know, got to <laughs> give something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like a white elephant gift, right? You just, mm -hmm. whoever you get, right? And you, <laughs> right? And, and, and so um, Richard Hess, which is uh, the, you know, one of the scholars that wrote the uh, Anchor Bible Dictionary, he says this, by giving the firstborn and the best of the animals or the fat, Abel would understood as having given everything to God, right? Uh, so, so think about it. They're out of, they're out, they're out of the Garden of Eden. They're now in the land of Eden, um, and, and they're surviving, right? They're doing their jobs. But how do they honor God with their jobs? That is, that is, I think that's the point here, that, that Abel comes in and gives God all he has, the best he has, right? And, and the details reveal that. And, and, and Cain, well, we don't, we don't really know, you know? He just probably showed up to, show up to the party, brought a white elephant gift. Because he doesn't know anything, right? So, well, the offerings are legitimate, both of them. Uh, you know, animals and, and veggies. We'll see that in the Leviticus laws. In Leviticus 
chapter one to seven gives us all the list of things, right? And that is, is also a, a good offering, right? But it is the, the lavish value this ascribed to Abel's offering makes Cain's gift pale in comparison, right? By default, by just, just it, it, it's, it's just the details reveal the heart. That's that's a good, that, that's even a good title for a sermon. The, 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 uh, the heart is, the heart is in the detail, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, but, but the detail of their sacrificial gift reveals um, the character of their heart. Yeah. Let me write that down, man. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. So, so what is the character of, of, of these two givers? Well, it's, it's interesting to think about their vocation because the farmer uh, has a, you know, they, when they put in a certain amount of work and they get something out, you know, they learn to plant in rows and water and fertilize and, you know, there's this whole process and, and it's somewhat scientific, you know, and so they, there's a tendency for them to think, you know, I did these things, therefore I get this result. Whereas the shepherd is much more dependent on God and nature, you know, as the flock the genetics of the flock going to be sound, you know, is there going to be grass to graze on? Are the streams going to have water for the livestock? Much more dependent on God uh, in their own mind, you know. What I mean? Yeah, and, and and think about it. I raised, if I raised animals, right, you know, um, the, the full-blooded animals, the, the, the best of the best, the, the things you used to breed animals to have a better uh, stock, right? Uh, you want to keep that to yourself. You want to keep that to... Um, to make your living out of, right? And, and and let's say a breeding stock, firstborn, the best that you had, that you were make more money out of. That selfish way, if I get this, I will have better things. I will develop better better animals. You see what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it, it, you have to be. So not only you have to depend on God that what He gives you, you have to trust that He gives it to you, and so therefore you, it's not yours. You give it to Him, right? And that is a hard concept, even for our modern world, right? The biggest issue we have about giving is because we think is ours. Yeah. See, the New, the New Testament um, uh, sacrificial giving was completely different because they believe 100% that they are now owned by God and that everything they had was God's. And so their questions in their mind was not what, what can I believers give it selling their home selling everything giving everything to the church and just keeping just very little right it's almost like like they kept 10 percent and they gave 90. um and then we have churches like the berean church right that they were just they didn't even have enough for them but they were just collecting and giving to to churches that were bigger than them uh and the, the church in jerusalem in, in the case in, that we find in second corinthians uh and so so the heart everything is at the heart of the giver right that's why god loves the cheerful giver because a cheerful giver understands that I don't own anything. I have an owner. Paul said uh, that we are, uh, and James uh, uses the analogy that we are slaves to God, right? And and what they're what they're really referring to is that He owns us, right? And so everything we have belongs to Him, and and, and so we are just um, managers to manage what He gives us. And so how do we manage what he gives us, right? And that is the question. That's the heart of, of the giver. And when it comes to, to that, I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about your time, your gift, right? Your time, your gift to God. Um, uh, how are you, what, what are you giving God with what you do in a secular world, with the gift that you have in a secular world? How can you offer in that to God? Um, 
how can you offer your time to the Lord, right? Um, it, you know, there's there, there's a saying that wherever you spend your money, if we really know what you're passionate about, we have to see where you spend your money and your time mm -hmm. in, right? Uh, and if your time and your money is not spent on the things of God, then your passion is somewhere else. And so that's kind of like the, the heart of this thing, right? Uh, and and we, we see that here in this early, early narrative between, between Cain, and Cain, and Cain and Abel, right? Uh, and so... So what is at the heart of, of this of the character of every believer, but but in this case, what is at the heart of the character of Cain and Abel, right? And so we see that on how the Lord replies to their gift, how the Lord sees their gift, right? Um, verse five, actually it's verse four, right? So and, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions, the good stuff, right? And the Lord had regard, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, there's, let's look at that, what that phrase means in different versions, right? That, that's the ESV. The NET says, um, says that, and the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. Now, the LEV uh, says this, and Yahweh looked with favor to Abel and his offering, but to Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor, right? And, 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 and this translation is, is getting clearer to, to what, if we break down the Hebrew, um, this is a more close translation, right? The CSB says this, and the Lord had regard, he used the word regard, the NASB used the word regard too, right? But if we break down the transliteration of this verse will be the God gazed, he gazed upon his offering and upon Cain's and, and upon their, his offering, and he did not gaze, right? So, so he gazed upon, he, he, he saw through the, the whole, he looked, right? It is, so the, the emphasis of, of, on gazing, right, is um, it, it's almost like God's perception of people in, in, in their offering, right? So God is, so it's, it's like gazing, it's like God reading the hearts of the two brothers, and, and, and upon the examination of this reading, God's favor goes to the one who was willing to offer the most valuable, right? So, so to, to gaze upon, to, to regard, or, or, or is to look, to read through, right? Through the heart of, of, of the issue, right? So, so that's what God understands. God is not looking at the offering. He's gazing, he's reading the hearts of the givers, right? Because if we put it in the Levitical law, it's not that God is not vegetarian and he didn't like veggies, right? Uh, the issue becomes the heart and is revealed by the way the, 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 the text reads, right? That he did not regard because he looked, he gazed upon the hearts of, of, the, uh, of the givers. Yeah, it's uh, almost, you might say he did a double take of uh, yeah. <laughs> Not the other. There's also maybe a notion of uh, I know you mentioned that, but the whether or not the gift was actually sacrificial was it meaningful to the giver? You know, mm -hmm. if it was that was a big deal for uh, a shepherd to give his firstborn because that's in their mind the strongest, best breeder. You know, yeah. And uh, the farmer to just bring something, you know, maybe the leftovers. Uh, yeah, like you said, God sees right through it. Yeah. So the the case in point the. Uh, um, the passage you brought earlier in the New Testament about the widow, right? We have all these people giving a whole lot, but this widow didn't have a lot to give. They only had just a little bit. And what she gave, 
it, it was sacrificial. It was all she had. So if you're gonna put a value on things, you put a value on the heart of the giver. And that's what God does. God understands that, right? And so how, how do we know that this is what God is doing? Well, we we begin to see by how um, they react to God's favor. They react to what God is doing, right? So you, we're going to begin to see that Cain's character is, is such that when he does not receive God's favor, he gets violently angry, right? And so so what are the implications of that, right? Um, in our modern in our modern world, think about it this way: How a lot of times we come and we say, "Why is God blessing that person, but He's not blessing me the same way?" You know, um, why does God? You know, I, I do this, I do that, I do all of these things, and so it's it, and we begin to question why God and in, in, in not us. And a lot of times, the answer is as simple as as what is in our hearts. It's a circular kind of thought process because the, the person who brings a second tier or an unfavorable offering is also prone to be opposed to God and to question, you know, and so then that makes them, uh, you know, even more at odds with God. And that's what we see with Cain, right? He has a poor attitude and he becomes dejected. And then that leads to just this downward spiral in a sense of separation from God. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, it, it's it, but the implications are are, are hard, right? Um, because God, you see, God favoring Abel does not mean that God rejected Cain. That that's yeah, not yeah. what he meant, right? In fact, he goes out of his way to try to exactly. bring Cain back. Yeah, yeah. So so it, it doesn't mean he rejected him. It, it only meant that he favored him because he understood the heart, right? But but if Cain will get his heart right, right? Um, and so a, a lot of times the blessing of others has nothing to do with God's rejection to our lives or to what we're doing, right? God is dealing with us in a different way. And so um, we, we begin to see this, right? Because God, uh, as soon as God sees that, uh, that his, um, his attitude, how he changes, right? And how he has experienced it, uh, God immediately reaches out to Cain and continues this, this dialogue with him. And tells him that this moment is not necessarily uh, a, a moment of rejection, right? This is this is what the Lord says to Cain in verse six: Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen, right? And so it's almost like God is like, wait a minute, I says, you know, why what is going on here? I'm not that God doesn't know, right? Uh, and so God tells him the most important thing here. If you want your gift to be received just like Abel's, then do what is right. Do what is good. If you do well, will you not be accepted, right? It's or, important or, that his uh, God hasn't handed out any punishment or any consequences yet. Cain feels this in himself before God even speaks, right? He's already rejected because he sees yeah. that he did poorly. <laughs> you, you know one thing I always wonder, right? It's that we have Abel in, in the midst of this rivalry, and the Lord never really speaks to Abel, mm -hmm. right? He he accepts his gift. He understands Abel's character, um, but he never really has a dialogue with him, right? His, his dialogue is with the one whose heart is not right in, in this narrative. Um, he's trying to do everything he can to get this person right, to, to have this, this conversation. I mean, he did the same thing with his parents, right? He's having a dialogue with, with Cain. Uh, and, and we don't see God is speaking to Abel at all. He just accepts his gift, right? 
uh, and, and a lot of times I, I think in, in, in our in our own way, we tend to think that the Lord is silent to us and, and we don't hear and we don't have this conversation with him, right? Um, but if we're being obedient to his word, I think that's the conversation we have every day in our lives, understanding his word and being obedient to it, right? Uh, and so so we have this this conversation here, right? Do what is do what is good, do what is what is right. So the implication is that God can discern somehow in Cain's offering that it's not well and in his heart and mind and character, he's, he's a fault here. So he works with Cain and, and invites him to do the right thing and to find himself uh, experiencing divine favor, right? It's not like God just leaves him out to um, to figure it out on his own, right? Uh, but in, in a way, the, um, the Puritans, there's a prayer in, in the book of prayers of the Puritans, right? And one of the prayers is, is, is a prayer in uh, about God's word. Uh, and, and, and the prayer says that God's favor is shown that he did not leave us to wonder and look for the unknown God and a, a God that is mysterious and that we don't know anything about, that he has enlightened us with the gospel of his truth, right? And, and I feel like this is what God is doing here. So we have the gospel for us, right? So, so, so we worship God, not because he's an unknown God, but because he revealed himself because, because he, he understood, he, he knows us, right? And he has revealed himself to us because we, upon ourselves, we wouldn't be able to do it. Look at Cain, what Cain is dealing with here, right? And so, so the, the, the issue here is that the God is, is, is giving him a way out. He's talking to him. He's showing him, right? Um, in, in Genesis 4 here, uh, the issue is, is an issue of ethics, not of sacrificial ingredients, right? This is what, um, this is a quote from, uh, from Andrew, Genesis 4. It's one of ethics, not of sacrificial ingredients. Not unless there exists a possibility that a comparative ethical value is reflected in the quality of the sacrificial in the sacrifices offered. With the same ingredients, the human roles could have been reversed. Cain would have selected the best, right? So so that's that's kind of the the, the, the issue here, right? Yeah. The emphasis is not on the ingredient of the sacrifices, but on the disposition of the one bringing the offering. That was pretty good. Right. So so it, uh, it, it it becomes that issue. It becomes that, right? What is at the heart of things? And, and, and how God in his mercy still tries to guide him throughout this whole process, right? So so the, 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 the story continues in verse 7, right? If you do well, uh, would you not be accepted? If, and if you do not well, then what happens if you don't do well, right? Sin is at the door, right? And, 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 and it's, it's, it's crouching at the door like a tiger, like just waiting, like, like, a, like a beast just waiting. It's desire is against you, but you must rule over it. So there you go. You have the tools, right? You you can do it. It's at the door. It's there, but you must rule over it. But that's not how Cain views it, right? Even though it's revealed to him, that's not how he views it. So we have this, this firstborn rivalry and God and the Lord, right? And this is another theme that will develop throughout the whole narrative, right? Uh, Cain's birth story draws attention to, to him as the firstborn, right? Uh, his mother boasts. We remember that last 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 uh, episode that his mother boasts of her ability to create a man. And this man goes on to take the place of Adam as a worker of the ground, right? So Cain is also the first to bring the offering. Um, as the patriarch or the firstborn male, it, he always is the one that, it, it, to them, is, is, is the place to take to bring the offering, right? So the firstborn was to be acknowledged as the one who received the greater share 
uh, an inheritance. We, we read that in Deuteronomy 21, 17. And, and as the father representative, we read that in Genesis 49, 3. And in Genesis, the male head of the family offers the sacrifice. That's what Noah did, right? And, and passes on the blessing to the right of the firstborn. So in Genesis 4, 3, we, we told that first the Cain brought his offering, and then all of a sudden, Abel, uh, uh, he, he also brought from the firstborn of his flock. So if Abel's offering is not an effort at absorption of, of his older brother, and, and we don't, we, the, the passage is not sure here, right? It's not really expanding on that, but it's giving us hint to what's going to happen later, uh, which it might be, right? The, the narrator of Genesis at least is showing us that his younger brother is, is showing up the firstborn. And to put it all, to put it all off, uh, the Lord favors him, right? So here begins uh, a major theme in this whole book of Genesis, which is going to carry out through the whole moving forward, right? Um, the God carries forward his promises in ways that uh, subvert the challenges traditional wisdom in human societies, and that he loves to elevate the underdog and the disadvantaged, because most of the time, the underdog and the disadvantaged have a humble heart. Right? So, so this develops here. So we saw... Uh, the first thing, we saw farmers against shepherds. Now we begin to see this rivalry against brothers, right? That the younger always comes on, on you know, challenging the, the older. We're going to see this in Jacob and Esau. We're going to see this in the process uh, of, of the whole scripture, right? But then now we have this, this, this thing, this sacrifice at the door of the garden, right? So this is what the passage reads. Uh, and if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must overrule it, right? You must rule over it. Uh, and, and so they, they, they're, they're coming with this sacrifice. Um, and so we, we have this, this thing, right, that the sin is at the door. The sin is crushing. So how do you read that, that part? The sin is crushing at the door. Um, he's saying, you know, that the, the way I read it is in a sense that, you know, because he's, giving in to his selfishness, you know, he's, he's looking at himself, he's feeling rejected and less than. So that is a recipe for just allowing more bad behavior, more poor choices. Um, so he's already done something selfish or whether it was intentional or not. And now because we're human, we have this propensity to go and just compound the issue, do another bad thing and another bad thing. But that's, I think that's why he gives him this warning that, um, you know, it's, it's desire is to overtake you, but you must overtake it or it's desires to rule you, but you must rule it. So, you know, I think that's something we can, we can relate with quite well because whether you get into it or you're apathetic you're going it's going to rule you you have to fight against it yeah so yeah so so there, i think there's a dual there's a two-way explanation for for this verse right so the, the door what is the door in genesis 4 7 and and mo most of the time we tend to use that as a metaphorical uh some metaphorical reference to cain's heart or or his mind right that that where the sinful urge uh, it's, it's urging itself upon him, uh, but the, the, the text we can take it that way. But that's that's not necessarily what. Once we break down the the passage, right? That's what the text is necessarily saying. Right now, there's a dual um, in, in in the whole scripture. We have this spiritual thing, this metaphorical thing, right? Uh, but there's also the uh, the reality of the things, right? The the thing. So first, 
we have Genesis 3, 22 to 24, right? That told us that the humans were sent out from the Garden of Eden to the east. And that on the eastern border of Eden, the Lord stationed a cherubim and a, and a sword, and a flaming sword, right? So when Cain is exiled, after the murdering his brother, uh, we're, we're going to we're gonna see that later on. Um, but we, we're told that he went east, right? This means that Genesis 4, 1 through 16 takes place within Eden, near the eastern edge of the garden, right? So there are, uh, there are clue narratives here uh, that, that tells us that uh, it, here it starts forming a design pattern about the tabernacle and the temple later on. The, in the, so we, when we envision this offering taking place at the door, it, it's, it's not necessarily at the door of his heart, but it's at the door of the garden, right? Um, this, this whole thing, we're going to see it in the tabernacle. And we're going to see that the sacrifices were at the door before you go inside the, uh, the place. It's at the door of, of the Garden of Eden, right? So Genesis uh, 4, 7 consists in three Hebrew words. At the door, sin, and crotcher, right? So the metaphorical, uh, the, the, you know, the, the door of the heart, it, it's never used in, in the Hebrew Bible. Nowhere, nowhere else, there's a met, met context of a metaphorical door of the heart, right? With that, that can, that can explain this, um, this thing. So, uh, but Cain and Abel are depicted as offering their sacrifices at the door of the garden, right? But wh where would they take the sacrifices to? If, if we use some logic. high place. I mean, that was their customers, but a high place and, up the mountain. And what, and what is the high place here in Genesis? It's the mountain of God. It's the garden of Yeah, yeah. And so so when they come to the door, to this place where maybe the cherubim is, right? Um, that, that is, the, and, and we, the only reason I say this is because the context of the scripture will tell us later on, as we see the tabernacle in, in, and as we see um, the temple being built, where is the sacrifice being brought to, right? Because what they do is all of it is eating imagery from uh, from the curtains to the Holy of Holies, from all the elements inside there. Everything is an Eden. Um, it's, it's, it has to deal with the Garden of Eden in the presence of God in the Holies of Holies, right? In the in the setting of the Garden of Eden. That represents, so when they go through the desert, they carry their own Eden with them, right? And so that's, that's the idea of the of, of, of that. And so... Um, where would they take their offerings here, right? And and so it is it is a door of uh, of the Garden of Eden. And so if we read that, then we begin to see the sin is is right at the door where they go and sacrifice this, right? And so it's uh, it becomes we can use it as a metaphor, as a, as a you know as something that a metaphor, but but I, I think it has that uh, distinction here, right? Once we put it in context with the rest of how the scripture develops later on. Um, so here Cain is in Abor depicted as offering the sacrifices at the door of the garden uh, in front of the cherubim in, in the entrance of the holy, uh, the holy place of God's heavenly presence on the earth, right? So the sinful animal-like temptation, uh, that, that, that that's how sin is described, right? It's uh, fell, God ex excited the garden with, exited the garden within, uh, with them as, a, as at the door alongside them. And so we have this always there, um, not necessarily inside the Garden of Eden. So, so the sin is not inside the Garden, the Garden of Eden. It's, the sin is, is is at the door, mm -hmm. right, where they take their sacrifices. And so later on, we we'll see that you know in the tabernacle, the temple, it, it mirrors the precise scene. Um, once you see the description of the tabernacle in the in in in, in the temple, you'll see that uh, 
the altar was always placed directly east in front of the door, the sacred space where offerings were made before the priest uh, could enter the sacred space, right? It's, it's interesting, so, and it makes sense that, you know, if there's a, an, an offering, a sacrifice, then there's sin involved. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and realistically, anywhere there's a human, there's sin, and uh, it's just waiting for you. Waiting to, uh, like a prowling lion, waiting to, to bow. Yeah, and, and it's not far away. It's at the door. It's where you sacrifice. Sin is at the same place where you sacrifice to the Lord. Can you imagine that, right? And so, but but the Lord says to Cain, hey, uh, you can rule over it, right? And so so we, we, we have all um, this first passage here, actually the second because we saw first one. Uh, so we have from first four, four uh, to chapter four verse two to seven here, right? And so, so we have this uh, farmers versus uh, shepherds, which is the city versus the wilderness. Um, then we have uh, the favor of God and the favor does not necessarily mean um, the rejection for, for Cain either, right? Uh, then we have the, the character of, of these two guys that are coming with their offerings. Um, we have this rivalry that begins to develop here, right? Uh, we got the sacrifice at the door uh, of the garden, which will also develop later on in the temple narrative, right? And and, and we have the heart of the issue for this for these two guys. So, um, so we have all of these elements in here, right? That that is not only giving us detail to the story within the story that is happening here and, and revealing their hearts by the description of their offerings, but it's also opening up. Uh, a blueprint, a narrative of what's going to happen next, right? Where does farmers and underdogs play in? Um, where is, whenever we, the, whenever the next time we see a rivalry between siblings, we should remember this, right? Um, and, and, and so, so not only this reveals and gives us uh, an application for our lives within the story, it prepares us for the rest of the narrative uh, in, in the rest of the Hebrew Bible. Excellent. So, but, but I think this is a, a good spot uh, to 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 stop uh, as we continue next week with uh, with with the rest uh, of the chapter, right? Uh, what would be uh, what would be an application that you would uh, give for whoever's listening? Um, you know, there I I think of it as two parts. I mean, one we we do have to bring an offering. We can't just kind of float through life and coast. As a believer, and the second thing is, it has to be a, a, a sacrificial offering. I mean, I, I hesitate to say give till it hurts, but you know, <laughs> give something that's meaningful. Mm -hmm. And if you make ten thousand dollars a month, then a hundred dollars in the offering plate isn't really a big deal. You know what I mean? If you uh, if you have a hundred spare hours in a week, spending one of them at church isn't a big deal. It's not a <laughs> And I, you know, none of us can judge whether your offering is favorable, favorable to God, but you know, just like Cain, you know um, what kind of sacrifice is necessary. You know what God has gifted you with, and so you know uh, what God wants from you. I think it's just a little introspection. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think there's a warning. There's a warning, and that, that we have to remember. And the warning is this that the Lord gazes upon our hearts, that he reads our hearts, that we can fool everybody, but we cannot fool him. That's the warning. Um, but the good news is this, is that the Lord, even though he gazes upon our heart and he knows, um, he, he reveals that to us and he gives us a way out. He gives us a, a, 
um, a, a way for forgiveness, a way for repentance, right? Um, understanding that sin is there at the door, but we can overcome it, right? And so, so it's a warning and it's a good news um, that the Lord, even though the Lord knows, He still gives us uh, a revelation on, on on what is wrong and how to how to, and to overcome it. And I think I, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we will definitely uh, continue our conversation uh, next week. Yeah, we'll continue on with Genesis four nine plus next week. So thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today in Rediscovering the Bible. More information, including study notes, can be found at rtb.para.church. If you have any questions about this episode or content you would like us to cover, send an email to rtb at cypressfellowship.org. RTB as in Rediscovering the Bible. Good day and God bless you.